Welcome to the Beers and Miles podcast, where we talk about beers, miles, and whatever else we match jump off topic with. My name is Chris, and I actually hit that intro. Uh, wow, I did not expect that. Um, it's been a quite a bit. Uh, I still haven't released the last podcast that I did. That was over a month ago. Um, but uh, nobody's asking. I'm not asking. I'm surely not worried about that. We'll get that out this week. Uh, anyways, I am back in uh, in Ohio after uh, some trip out uh, out west, uh, which we'll talk in a different podcast. But um, yeah, that's uh, we start this podcast off like we usually do. We are opening up a uh, new beer here. Uh, Jester King apparently makes IPAs. Um, Jester King out of Austin, Texas. It's known for sours and saisons. They well, they're in the IPA game too. Uh, this is their double dry hopped IPA at six point five percent. And uh, yeah, I just got this this past week. So we're going to try that out and see how it goes. Uh, and as I'm pouring, I'm going to remind you guys, if you guys can leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, just check. You guys left five stars on Spotify, and I really appreciate it. If you have any questions for me or any ideas on topics as well, uh, shoot them over to the Instagram, at beersandmiles, or beersandmiles at gmail.com. Um, but yeah, so we are back with a guest that we've had, dude. It has been, it's been over eighteen months. I just realized it was August. It was April twentieth, right around that time, or be right before that, that we actually released the podcast with you, and it was a three part series. If you haven't got a chance to listen to it, give it a listen. Um, it's fantastic. It is with one of our favorite people. Um, he is a menace on Fortnite. He is a menace on the Rubik's cube. Uh, we have Alex Burks. Welcome back. It is a pleasure to be here yet again. Buddy, there has been a lot that has happened since the last time we talked. We've caught up, obviously. We've uh, uh, heck, we've seen each other a couple of times over the last uh, last eighteen months. Yes, um, we have quite a few. So I want to uh, I want to kick it off here. The last time that we talked was the um, heck. It was Toledo half. Last time we were we were in no no last time we were in person was was my wedding. Ah uh, no, I'm talking to I uh, no. We'll get to that. We'll oh, get oh, to we're that. Talking, we're like first thing after that. Well, can I can I at least introduce my beer because I, I I wanted Ooh. to have something good and and you you were talking about getting a, an IPA from a, a sour company, but I've got a I've got a sour from a proper sour brewery. So this is a crooked stave petite sour blueberry fermented in fodder number one with blueberries. So. Shout out Crooked Stave. Absolutely killing it out here in Denver. Delicious sours. Hey, I, I'm, I feel really, really rude by not asking you what you were drinking. I knew you were drinking something and I forgot to ask. <laughs> I had Send to all the hate mail over there. I wasn't, I wasn't planning on it tonight, but if I'm on the Beers and Miles podcast, I better have run some miles and have at least one beer on me. Did I hear triples are best? I You did hear triples are best about... <laughs> 10 minutes ago probably finishing up coming in hot for the beers and miles podcast you know dude i gotta i gotta say i just took a sip of this it ain't bad it's actually really good listen if if justin king can do most things correctly they can probably make the easiest style of beer to make fair fair (laughs) you just have more hops you're fine (laughs) right Ah. more hops until they can't tell what imperfections there are (laughs) That's exactly what you need to do. Uh, so kind of just a quick update, kind of just to kind of, uh, so you guys, those that don't, didn't listen to the podcast before, um, 
works with the Sunni Genesia, um, and then ends up running about two sixteen uh, in the, in in his marathon at um, Rockland Lake Rockland State, State Park. Rockland Lake State Park. Spring spring of twenty one. So you're riding a high off spring of 2021, or, or, or spring of 2021, correct? Spring of 21, that was it. You head into uh, December of 2021, and as has become pretty just, it's par for the course. The USATF does a, uh, does a dumb, it makes a dumb decision and decides to tell everybody that the opening window for the 2024 Olympic trials opens a week after CIM. So, uh, as we talked about in the last podcast, uh, he went after it, got a little bit, a little, got a little, got a little crazy, got a, got right on, <laughs> rode that line, and he came away still with the T19. Uh, something to still be proud of, I, I think, going after that, going after the sun, and then, and especially when a race that realistically didn't matter for qualifying. Yeah. Um, but then after that, we come into Toledo. We talked about Toledo and the speed project, you guys winning the speed project and, and at that point, record time. And then you run run a half marathon in Toledo, uh, take home some money from there, and it leads you right into the Grandma's Marathon. And That's so correct. this story is a very different story than you're, I, I think, and it's something that I, I really do appreciate you've been very open about the entire thing. So um, I'm not sure if you expected the podcast to go this route, but I definitely want to want to talk about that. I want to talk about your journey to will be the crescendo that was this past October. Um, but it starts, uh, I guess, the story continues at in Duluth. Um, so talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so that was Grandma's in 2022, which I actually am looking to potentially run that in 2024. But that's getting ahead of myself. Uh, but yeah, at, at that point, it was going to be my first real Olympic trials qualifying attempt. I knew that the half marathon standards a little bit out of my wheelhouse. Uh, so I figured, all right, yeah, 218 marathon. I've run 216.50. I had an off day where I you know, blew up pretty hard and ran 219.30. Uh, this will probably be a pretty sure shot. You know, Grandma's is well known for being a pretty fast course. I was running it with... A friend of the pod, Zach Ornelas. We were we were roomies at the the Grandma's Marathon. They put us up, and so I just I figured you know this is gonna be smooth sailing. Go out, run the pace, get the time, and that'll be that. And I think around fifteen miles or so, uh, as has probably happened to to many people who have uh, tried the marathon before. Just felt a little bubble in the stomach, kind of knew that I wasn't going to make it the rest of the way in the marathon, stopped at a porta potty, got right back on pace. I think I was only in there for like 25 seconds. And uh, by mile 20, was still pretty much on pace to qualify, even with that little stop. Uh, but then I think they call it lemon drop hill. Just got to that point and wheels started falling off. I think it was around like 22 miles or something like that. Just couldn't push through. And you know, I, for for better or for worse, consider myself to be relatively mentally tough. I, I I undergo a lot in training, and you know, have pushed myself pretty hard in races. But something just didn't feel right there. Like it just it was not quite the 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 having to push through pain that I was used to. Like there was just nothing to go to. Um, 
So, yeah, I, it, it wasn't too disappointing at Grandma's just because it's like, okay, it was the first attempt. You know, like, like not every marathon can be perfect, and I understand that. So I was like, you know, we had a dud. We'll go back to the drawing board. We'll think things through, and we'll, you know, get it the next time. As far as the race plan for that, were you out pretty conservative or did you go did you go for the two sixteen? I think we were through half in two eighteen sixteen or so. But there, it was a little bit of a tailwind that day, I think, and the conditions were really ideal. So we kinda went in there with the mindset of like we can run like not only trials, but like a nice little PR. Not like a big PR, but like a little PR, because conditions were really favorable. And that's kind of where the pack was that we settled in with. Awesome. So coming out of that, you said it wasn't that much of a hit, but what was up next? What was uh, next on the schedule to try to hit the standard? Yeah, so basically it was just kind of like, well, I'm not going to run a marathon over the summer. Um, (laughs) I I did CIM the year before, was familiar with the course. Again, I, I was pretty confident the only reason I did you know, didn't run faster than 218 at CIM that year was because, you know, I tried to run 503 pace for miles 13 through 20. Um, So I figured, oh, let's go to CIM. Let's just run trials qualifying pace. Uh, I just so happened to link up with another D3 runner, Jared Ottman, who was trying to train to qualify for the trials. So we both decided to set CIM as our mark. We trained that whole training cycle with each other. Uh, And so, yeah, the, the plan there was just Run the standard, nothing fancy, get it, get it done. How did, did anything change heading into that block compared to what you did for grandmas? Not really. Um, it was, <clears throat> it was much of the same strategy, um, training wise, you know, same sort of mileage build, same sorts of workouts. We figured, you know, grandmas, there was something that went wrong gastrointestinally. And that was what, you know, ended up causing the problem as long as we can, you know, not have that happen. CIM will be okay. So you go after CIM and go on, just going for the standard. Yep. How how did that race turn out for you? Or like how did how did they play play the play it out for us as a Yeah. So so we executed our race plan pretty much to a T exactly as we expected to. We actually got out a little slower, I think, than we expected. We were actually through half not on OTQ pace, but when I had had the success in the two sixteen fifty, it was actually I also wasn't through an OTQ pace. I think I was through in like like sixty nine ten or something like that. So I wasn't concerned at that point. I was like, yeah, we're completely perfectly executing our race plan here. Jared and I were stride for stride for most of the race. Yeah, he actually had to stop for a pit stop in that race, but really surprisingly quickly caught back up to me. <laughs> um, but yeah, it just it it got to the point where it's like, okay, it's time for us to pick it up, punch our OTQ card, and Jared took off, and I kind of just held pace, and then that turned into falling off pace, which turned into you know almost having to walk, and just feeling that like like desperation feeling of I have nothing left to give, like I and it was weird because. You know, we had trained together that whole cycle. We had done basically all the same workouts, all the same training, everything, like maybe mileage varied very slightly in between us. But we were both really confident that we were in about the same physical form. And so it was just really confusing to me as to what was going wrong there. And, you know, why was it that I wasn't able to perform well that day? Like, what did I do wrong? 
And I mean, coming out of that, I, I just remember some of the posts from there, like, you know, honestly, I kind of was worried that you were not going to do a marathon again. I was thinking about it for sure. Uh, crossing that line was, was definitely a, a low, low point for me. Uh, I just, I just couldn't understand what it was that went wrong. I mean, I, we thought maybe at grandma's, okay, we might've gotten out a little bit hot. Like we went through the half and 68 low. Okay. Well, this time I went through in 6934 and still fell off. And at grandma's, I fell off to run 223, I think. And at CIM that year, I fell off to run like 227 or something like that, which again, not, not a bad marathon time. I am not <laughs> trying to, you know, to belittle that time. But for me at the fitness I was, that time was like a, what on earth went wrong? Like I could probably do that in, you know, a really hard workout at altitude if I really needed to. Yeah. Cause at that point that would, that's, that was your slowest marathon you've ever run. Cause I think you opened yep. up in a 222, yeah. correct? Or yeah. Yeah. And you know, it was o- over 10 minutes off my PR. So. Yeah. So that was, I have to say that as a friend, that was one of the toughest times to see. I was like, cause all of us were, were, were following along and to see how, you, how I think, I, I think you took it into, you were devastated, but yeah. we were hoping that you'd be, be able to bounce back. And, and how long did it take until like you could look back at running or even training again and, and be okay with it? I didn't plan to do a marathon until three months or so after that race. I was still training, but I was just training for shorter distances that, at that point, you know, went to Boston to run a 5k was doing shorter workouts, lower mileage. Um, and it wasn't until a little bit later, once I started to get my confidence back, you know, it was nice to run a PR in, in the 5k and just, you know, feel like, okay, I'm still improving. I'm still running well. Uh, I went and ran that, um, you know, Rockland's uh, Lake half that you were at as well. And, you know, was feeling good about how I was running then. And I forget exactly when in that time frame I decided that I was going to then go back and run the Toledo full. But basically the thought process there was like, okay, let's not put any pressure on it. Let's not tell most anyone about it. I obviously told you because I wasn't going to come to Toledo and be two hours from you and not let you know. <laughs> but I told as few people as possible and just was like, if it goes poorly, it goes poorly, whatever. Yeah. And Honestly, we were pretty pumped to be able to hear about that. Um, now, as you got attempt, like that's that kind of begs a question here. And I think now that how things end up ended up now, I think I, I wonder if you can speak on it a little bit with a lot of the attention that you received up to the two sixteen. Did you feel any pressure coming into the last couple of marathons, and did you want to kind of take some time to be able to just do it in silence? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Like there, there is no question that there was pressure on me, you know, from myself, from this perceived notion that like, I am a 216 marathon, or I should be able to run a 216, like, or like a 217, like I should be able to qualify for the trials. And looking back on that, I was trying my best like right after running 216 to not come into that. But I was like, oh, 216, that's so far faster than like the the Olympic standard. Bro, it's like three seconds per mile 
faster than the standard. <laughs> like it's it's such a raise. Like like I know I, it it sounds so much faster because it's like a minute and ten seconds, but like it's just not. Like it's it's a pretty razor thin margin, all all things considered. Like a second or two or three per mile. Like yeah, from an from an effort and energy systems perspective, it might have you know much larger implications than that. But like difference between five five twelve pace and five fifteen pace, like that, that's not much. Yeah, no, I completely agree. <laughs> so, yeah, there was just there was I think there was too much pressure of me and like me taking that 216 for granted and just being like, I can do this now. Like I should be able to do this because it's just, I I guess it's hard coming from college where, you know, 10 seconds in a track race probably, you know, puts you between, you know, scoring at your conference meet and not even qualifying in some events. And it's like a minute and 10 seconds in a marathon is like, yeah, you're, you're basically running like the same time and effort. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, I mean, coming out, coming into Toledo, knowing that, like, there was probably maybe a dozen or so people that knew that you were racing this race. Like, how was it like to be able to come out and be on the line for that? Yeah, so it was nice because it was kind of cool having no pressure uh, going into something like that. Uh, The one thing that was kind of weird about it was just the idea of, like, you know, like it, it, I'm, I don't know. Just, just like I've been hiding this from people, and I'm just coming out here to to run a marathon. But it really was just kind of like I'm, I'm just doing this to sort of see what happens. And if I can qualify, that's awesome. But if I can't, you know, it's not like I trained specifically for a marathon. I trained like I was a 5k, 10k runner, raced a half marathon pretty well, and then put in maybe three to four weeks of marathon specific training for Toledo. So there, there was, there wasn't that pressure. There wasn't that expectation. And I think, excuse me, uh, the nice thing about that was that it led itself to having me be in a place where I could more critically analyze like what was going on in the race. Like there wasn't as much emotion in it. There wasn't as much like training buildup where I was really focusing on what I was doing training wise and could really like break the race down and think about what caused it, you know, to either go well or to not go well. Got it. So race morning comes and I mean, was a trip out to back, back East or I guess to Toledo, was that any issue? Uh, I mean, no. the last couple of times, I mean, yeah. it's not, you're not was- sleeping at home. So. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I I've, I've gotten used to at this point, you know, traveling for races and stuff like that. So none of that was really a big deal. I know what my pre-race routines are and everything like that. So none of that was an issue. But the one thing that I did know going into that race <clears throat> was that the uh, the aid stations that were that were usually were there for elite uh, marathoners weren't going to be there that year. So I was entirely on my own for uh, for like any sort of fluids or, um, or race nutrition. So basically the plan was just to have a bunch of gels on me and take them down as I could. Jeez. Wasn't this race also like, didn't they lose their certification and then got it? And then like, yeah, there was a bunch of stuff going on too. There was a point where they like sent it, sent an email out to everyone being like, yes, yeah, so we don't actually have a, 
an Olympic trials certificate, like UST ATF like level certification to have this be for the trials. And I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm not running it anymore. And then they were like, oh, just kidding. We actually do. And I was like, oh, okay. I guess that's cool then. Uh, it, it was Don't just all, like, <laughs> it was all pretty weird, but I mean, <laughs> yeah, the, the only thing I, I wish is that I wish I had like known further in advance that there weren't going to be those, those aid stations. Cause that definitely would have uh, um, affected my decision to, to pick this race. Cause as I later found out, that's really, 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 really important. <laughs> so coming into this race, what kind of, was there, was there anything you took from the last two Heck, the, the last two races that you came into this race to try to try to either practice or like try to learn learn from the last two. Anything that you took differently here? Yeah, I think it was just to to not think quite as much about like the pacing because clearly like pacing wasn't really the issue because I tried it two different ways at Grandma's and CIM and like you know the the difference of a couple seconds per mile wasn't really what was like the big deal breaker for me. It seemed. It just was like, yeah, let's just go out and race and, you know, see if I have the fitness and the, the mental strength to be able to get it done today. So talk about the race now. We're in its day of and uh, how did that first half go for you? Yeah, so it was uh, it was pretty cold out. So I was I was up in arm sleeves, half tights. I think I had two layers of half tights on, too. This is about like 37 at race start. Uh, light wind, nothing too bad. I mean, nothing, nothing that a good East Coast born boy can't handle. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I just kind of went out and was like, I'm going to run my pace. I knew there were a couple guys who were either capable and had already run the TQ or were, uh, you know, trying to go and run it as well. And I wasn't even really thinking about that. I was just like, listen, if there's people there to run with, that's awesome. I'll run with them. If there isn't, then there isn't. And, um, yeah, the, the first half, there really wasn't all that much to, to think about besides that, um, the, the the cups of water that they were providing out on the course were like these tiny little cups that was like impossible to get like a significant amount of water at. And so I was just like choking down my gels best that I could. And I think even like by mile 12, I realized that like my stomach was already like not enjoying taking down gels basically dry. And I was just like, I've, I'm going to throw up if I keep trying to eat these. So I got down like three gels by by 12 miles and was just like, well, I'm just going to ride this one out and, and see what happens. And I didn't think twice about it. I was just like, I'm going to, I'm going to be okay off of 300 calories or less. Oh shit. I had no idea that you just like, you said, Oh no, we're not doing any more after that. I, I couldn't. I, I, I was almost like starting to, to heave a little bit with, with just three. Cause there was just oh. no, there was no, there was no fluids going down. Like I'd try to get, I'd try to get the cup. I'd use the little like taco folding method to really try and like get it, get it all in my mouth. But there was just so little in those cups. And I wasn't going to go back and try to get more. So Dude, yeah. I had the same feeling this past weekend. Just <laughs> by the time I got it, half of it. Cause it, I, I honestly, I do think there's an art to the actual, like there's an art to drinking it, but there's also an art to the, the uh, volunteer that hands it to you. Cause like, right. If the volunteer just like drops and gets really scared, like that's half the water in there. You only have a little time fit in the cup left to go. Especially when, yeah, especially when you're running, you know, in the, in the five tens per mile, like if you're going quick. It's going to be hard to get, yeah. get that and keep all the water in there. So, yeah. So, yeah. So just, I mean, continuing on, there was, there was a stretch where I kind of pulled away a bit, started to, you know, really try to hit that, um, 
Olympic standard. I was still on pace, you know, as the story goes through about 18 to 20. Um, and yeah, just once again, with about like six to go or so, five or six to go, just started to feel that creeping feeling come in again of just like, I am absolutely losing every ounce of energy that I have to be able to do this. And like, I fought, like I mentally pushed as hard as I could for that, uh, for that race. And there was just nothing to show from it. I think I came in again in like a 227 or so. Like it was just, it was that same, that same time that I ran for CIM, which was weird to me because I was like, okay, this one I prepared less for, but still got the same result in kind of the same way. Like what is going on here? Yeah. I mean, I, I think you were as good a spirit that I would have seen you in afterward. I think we, uh, we enjoyed it. We enjoyed some, uh, some tasty beverages afterward. Yeah. Um, we went over to homes, right? Yeah. 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 Absolutely. But like, I, I wonder, like, so you obviously are going to have a great attitude about things, like, you know, with your pals and having a good time. But, like, I guess internally, how were you feeling coming out of that? Yeah, so it's it was kind of strange because um, I I'm trying I'm trying to think of, like, the right way to to say this. Um, I had kind of gotten used to that feeling almost by that point and also went into it saying, you know, this one might not go well. Like, I don't, I don't know if it is, I don't know if it isn't like, I don't know if I figured out what is going wrong just yet. And like, I'm, I'm just giving this another try because it's another training cycle where I can end on a marathon. And so that to me, like not having that expectation, not having that pressure on me really helped me to sort of just go into it with an open mind and not be worried about the end result. That's, that's interesting, especially like, because I think a lot of us put so much stock into that final race of the season and it's basically binary. Like it's either I'm going to be elated or I'm going to be devastated. Um, there's not really anything in between. There's not really a, Hey, we went, put our shot out there and Hey, that, that's, that's under the training block on a marathon and kind of go from there. Like that's not typical. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, and I, I also kind of knew too, that like, you know, this wasn't the last attempt. There was still going to be at least one more after this. And at that point, what did, I'm not sure. When did the announcement go out for, for your home course? Yeah. So yeah, the, the McCurdy micro once again, coming back for round two, I think it was no more than like, a couple days it might have been before even before the race because i think by that point i was already talking about doing that race um so yeah i i mean basically once i crossed the finish line i knew that i knew i was doing that race <laughs> like it yeah. had been it had been on the back of my mind i don't i'd honestly considered doing it even if i did get the standards then i'd just chase a really fast time uh but yeah by the time i crossed the finish line i kind of knew that was what i was going to do but it wasn't until like a couple weeks later that like a real strategy for how this was going to be the time that I actually got the OTQ started to develop. It's funny because I think I remember running the warm up loop with you at Rockland 
And you made the joke something about like that nobody's run as many loops at this pace than you have. <laughs> no, no one, no one's run more, more four fifty five to five seventeen pace on this loop than I have is is probably an accurate statement at this point. I mean, I've run, I've run, Rockland I've run three marathons. I've run three marathons worth of Rockland Lake, Lake uh, loops at at sub five twenty pace. So I've run it, two it, halves and two fulls there. It'll treat you right. I got my PR there, so I can't complain too it, much. There. It will treat you right. Listen, if they if they hold a number three, you know you know I'm coming back there. I'll probably try and run two twelve or something like that at this point. <laughs> so. Now, you, you you've now had you've got three. three you know, it's really yeah, funny. Three, that, three, three bad you, marathons by that point. Yeah, I wouldn't call it two nineteen one, considering how you did it. That's like, not that, that would have been number yeah. four. There oh was, there was, Yeah, there was grandma's two twenty seven cim and yeah. Toledo. Jeez, you know it's really funny that with the like the world athletics, I have that up for you. They don't show those races at all. Just because I think CIM is not considered a, uh, it's IWF certified, and I think also yeah. Toledo's not IWF certified either. Well, bless up on them because <laughs> I don't even remember any of those at this point. That's hilarious. <laughs> but like coming out, of, so like now you have you're heading home. It, it's homecoming season now. It's homecoming it's, season. It is also. Was there a plan B or was this, I get this. And if it doesn't happen, it's done until 20 or is it done, done, or is it done until 2028? In my mind, it was done, done. Like, I think I legitimately told people that like, if I, if this went poorly, I was just straight up never running a marathon again. But like that, that to me, almost was like a freeing thought because it was just like if i if i don't get this i just do whatever i want like i don't have this carrot that i'm chasing anymore i just do what because like at that point i was i was starting to even just get like interested in doing an ultra or something like that i actually had signed up for one over the summer but ended up not doing it because i didn't feel like i was i was fit enough yet but the other piece that kind of came into that is that a couple weeks after toledo like heading into the summer i started to like really think and process like okay like this is this is three marathons in a row where like things have not gone according to plan we figured i was in good enough shape and the one thing that really stuck with me for this one was that i had that you know 65 40 half at rockland lake whereas like you know the the when I ran two sixteen fifty one a couple months beforehand I ran you know two or sixty five thirty or something like mm-hmm. that so I was like like the pieces were clearly there like what is it it's not training like that was when I just kind of tossed out training as being the thing that was going wrong and that was when it started to like like stick to me like oh wait a second like it's happening at mile twenty every time. Like it's, it's the same place, regardless of training, like what is going on. And it, I think it just eventually stuck with me. That it was like, well, this time I, I'm pretty confident that part of the issue is that I only took down three gels and I don't even know if my stomach was processing. them. Yeah. 
And like, you can't run a marathon on two or 300 calories. Like it's not going to happen the way that you want it to. And that was when it hit me. Like I went, I literally went and I asked Jared, I was like, Jared, like when we ran CIM, like how many calories like do you think you probably took down? And he's like, well, I was pretty much like finishing the bottles that like you were handing to me. And I was like, yeah. And I was only taking like a couple sips from them. Like I might've only had like 400, 450 calories or so. He's like, dude, I had like seven or 800. I was like, there's the difference there. And I was like, and grandma's in 2022, I had a stomach issue. So like, I probably wasn't absorbing my carbs and they were running through me. And like, I was having like an issue, like, and it was just the issue just all of a sudden kind of became clear. I was like, I think the problem is nutrition. Yeah. No, then that would make sense. But also not, it's not to say that's another stressor on you. Uh, but you had a lot of life changes. Heck, like when we first talked, like the last podcast, you had just moved to Denver. And then at this point, you had already been pretty adjusted at Denver, but you were planning a wedding during this like entire thing. And yeah, then that was, that was May 20th and it was a great yeah. time. It was, it was nothing, yeah. nothing but a positive thing. <laughs> no, absolutely. Absolutely. No, I, I, it's like, I would say you're a different man at this point. You are now, Definitely. it's wedding burks. Uh, yeah. It's now, we, I would, I'd be remiss if I didn't say it's now sponsored Burks. We didn't even mention that. That's true. Picking up, yeah, picking up, uh, say sky. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then, I mean, yeah, there was, there was a new job. We moved apartments and things like that. Like there were a lot of changes going on, but they just, they all felt like good, positive changes. And like, especially the job one, like at my previous job, I just felt really, really stressed out and, like while I really did feel like what I was doing was like good work and making a difference, it was just emotionally like tearing me down to the point where, you know, that could have been affecting training a bit. I definitely feel like training has been more effective since, since switching jobs, especially because now my new district's on a, on a four day work week, which is incredible. Um, but with with that aside, just like yeah, the, just everything about it has has definitely resulted in me being in a better mental space as well. That's awesome, and and I know from all of us, like all of the pals in Die Chat, I've been super happy to see you. You, you see, it's it's been it's been the year of Burks. It's been it's been a great to watch over the last year. I mean, all these changes yeah. did happen over about a year now. So, yeah, it was it was it was a shaky start to twenty twenty three, but after, from from wedding on out. It's been a strong, strong finish. I mean, two two days after the wedding, or two three days, three days after the wedding was when I got my 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 job like job offer for the new position. And then we moved, and then yeah, and then started up the new position, started up the new training cycle. It, it was from from May twentieth onwards. It was just all good vibes. I'm pretty sure that one of my it was right after. It would have been like just a couple weeks out of Boston. Um, Burks likes it. <laughs> Burks very like like Zach, and uh, and that before he gets married um, or anything related, like he's gonna take his pals on for a pretty long run. I think it was like eighteen, or was it sixteen or eighteen? I can't remember how many it, it was. Might have been eighteen. It, it might have been. And it was. Yeah, I, I that was a good time at, at sea level too. Yeah, I think I ran like like seventy five miles like the week of my wedding or something like that, which was hilarious too because it was like the third week I was running since Toledo or something like that. <laughs> it was eighteen miles. Yeah, it was funny. I just pulled up the Strava. It was eighteen miles at six forty two pace. Yeah, I was like, 
I I had just gotten back to running again too, and I was like, Zach, I can do ten. It's like I I'll do run some of them with 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 Brooks. I go ten to twelve, and I remember him. I remember texting him the night before. I'm like, hey, um, Brooks says he wants to do eighteen. He's like, it's his wedding day. You do the you eighteen. Have to. You, have you have to. Yeah, it's like I was like, I'm think I might just say if I can do like ten or twelve of it, and loop around. I was like, no, it's his wedding day. Do the ten. Do the eighteen. And we were picking it up on the second half too. Oh, we really were. And well, and <laughs> and I remember. And I remember too. You you put your your the uh, photo for that run as Leorio running with Gone and Kiloa because you were running with me and Jared. Yeah, which I, I was, was a pretty, pretty apt, pretty apt, uh, like d- like descriptor of of that run for sure. Which yeah, if also, no goo. yeah, I think I think the next day, or it was either the next day or two days later. I'm pretty sure I went out and ripped like five flat pace for a little bit on that like same canal path. Yeah, so that I, was disgusting. I was I was kind to you. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, the next day, uh, Jared took me on like the worst 35 minutes <laughs> of my life. I ate well, hungover in the morning. Dude, I don't know who this beers and miles guy was. I was definitely running with wine and kilometers that day. <laughs> That was a lot of malort. Yeah, well, yeah, true. Yeah, true, true. Oh, oh my gosh! Did you see that? There's so, not. You saw that malort coffee? I did. I did. And Zach said he'd rather die than have it. So it looks I, like we have to I sneak agree. one in. The, we're going to sneak one in for the trials. <laughs> um, That'll be what the real but, uh, the real pool is for, not for the KVVS, but for the yeah. malort coffee. <laughs> Maybe maybe the uh, Malort coffee is the friends we made along the way. <laughs> Something like that. That or the Kesha Colada. Oh, we need to do that. Uh, so, what's really interesting is that there seemed to be a shift in the chat. So, our, I guess, slight context. Not a lot of context, because I just don't feel like it. And if you're not dog, you're not dog. Um is like a lot of our a lot of our group is, has consists of a lot of really talented athletes, and a lot of the shift in terms of training, and it was something that I was getting from Zach more specifically, and also you were talking, you two were talking about a lot was treating running almost like it was, and I, I wouldn't say even almost like it was cycling, like as far as fueling strategy, like because I had known like. I think before this Boston this year, I was taking four, and that was basically it. And then it yeah, started looking at. I started thinking about now is like psychotic. Like the, yeah. the, you could do that, and like now it's become a thing where it's like, as opposed to like how many goos you take, it's more like caloric input, and that was something that I didn't think about very much, and it was something that was mentioned more and more in my training blog and training log and uh, or training training. Um, my training from Zach. So like, so was that something that you had been asking the guys around? Cause like, thankfully for you, you've had, you, you have a great amount of training group here. Now you've been running with a lot of the roots guys. You have Jared there as well. Who's also part of roots, correct? Jared uh, is part of roots. Yeah. He, he joined then, shortly after his, uh, his, his, uh, trials qualifying time at CIM. Yeah. So you have that kind of group to be able to ask questions on. You have your coaches incredibly knowledgeable. You have a diet chat that you can ask and you have a lot of other outlets, like uh, outlets to be able to ask. So like where do you start getting your information as far as feeling strategy? Yeah. I mean, I basically just kind of went back to what I had done before for when I had ran two sixteen fifty and 
it was kind of funny, and I, I think I mentioned this on some of the other podcasts I've been on too, which is that around the time when I ran that 216.50, I had just been practicing fueling in general because before when I ran the, the, the first like Trials of Miles 13.1 at Rockland Lake State Park, I, I think my original plan had actually been to run the JFK 50 because that was one of the few races that was happening at the time. And I just shifted because of, because of like COVID rules changed for the 50th time. And I couldn't, uh, I couldn't travel to Pennsylvania and back to work without like having a quarantine period. Um, so I was like practicing fueling like pretty heavily, like just taking down Oreos and Martin and whatever I could during training. So I basically brought that back for my training cycle for, um, for the the McCurdy Micro, I was basically like, yeah, I'm going to bring back that sort of training. I'm going to make a conscious effort to take down more and more calories as the workouts get longer and longer. I want to have at least one or two workouts where I actually try to like my full race fueling strategy or like, you know, try to increase the volume of fluid I'm taking in. So like water down the Martin more like try to take and like see where the limit is and push that limit over and over. So it really did get to the point where I was treating uh, nutrition during like during activity nutrition, like it was just another facet of training, like it was another type of workout. So you have answered a little bit of the questions I was going to ask that as far as just like testing that out. Cause like one, testing out how much fluid intake you can take over a long run, especially at the fast pace is a whole thing, or that marathon pace is a whole thing. Do you change anything as far as flavors or anything different kind of like trying to return goose? Because like, I know for me, I tried, I gave up basically on Martin after Boston 20, I think Boston 2022 might've been um, just because they had some Martin on the course and I had been doing Martin. And I realized that when I get tired, I just, I couldn't stomach the taste. So I went with my, my go-to espresso love goo because I knew even when it gets hot, even when it's like I feel awful, I can still take it and still like at the very least I'm not going to try to throw it up. Do you ever had the idea of trying different things or did you just focus on the same same routine? I I just stuck with Martin. For for a moment, I actually thought about, about tossing some Oreos in a little Ziploc bag and stuffing them in like the pockets of my half tights because I had been training with Oreos. And like I did, I did a... I think it was like a 20 mile workout where I did like 17 miles at 535 pace and like half my calories just came from straight like double stuff Oreos. I think I had like six or seven Oreos during that. And I was and I was like yeah, it was like 20 miles averaging like a total average of like 548 pace and like half of it was fueled by Oreos. And I was like what do I need gels for? Like I'll just do Oreos. But I think last minute I decided to go back to gels cuz I had done gels for another workout and I was like oh, I can still stomach these and these are probably like a better way of like just getting pure carbs, pure energy in. And that way I can take the Martin caffeine gel too. So Martin has just always worked for me. Even when I diluted it down, which I'll probably be going back to that strategy now for Orlando of diluting the Martin a little bit more so I can get more fluids in uh, because that's going to be really important with the, the conditions. Uh, but yeah, it was just, it, Martin works. I know it works. It was just a matter of being able to retrain my gut to take in all of that, all of those calories. Cause yeah, they, I think when I did my, usually once or twice a cycle, I like to do a big, like three hour long run. And yeah, for that, like three hour, 28 mile long run, I think I took down like a 
exactly a thousand calories or something like that, just to make sure that I could still try and do that. Nice. So I, I, it's, it's a, it's a question that kind of goes back, I guess, recycling back for a second for some of the old marathons, like you had done runs that were over distance already. Did you ever feel that kind of stomach ache during those over distance or was it just only when you were running at that faster pace? I think that, that I had, I had done about half of the fueling that I was doing now in training. And I think part of that was just like, you know, like Martin's expensive. I'm running on a a teacher's salary. Like I'm not trying to shell out every single time I do a long run, but for this, for this cycle, I, I really committed to that because I was like, I think there's enough value in doing this that it's going to be worth the, the expense in the long run. No, that's a, that's a fair point there. Um, Speaking of feeling, we're feeling uh, the second half of this podcast with uh, Tough Stay of the Dead, Juicy Pale Ale. It's a 5%, 5.5% called by volume, and this is from Texas. This is uh, from the state of Texas. I've never had any Tough Spear. Uh, we're going to try this out real quick before we head out to the rest of the podcast. And, no, it's, that's pretty solid. It's pretty solid. I'll give it, I, I won't give it a rating because I'll, I'll keep drinking and we'll figure out how it is, but... Um, and I, anyway, I, I, I finished my petite sour, and as much as I'd love to crack open the fridge again, I think that everything else I have is either equally expensive or higher gravity. And being in the middle of training with the with a with a work day tomorrow, I think I think I'll abstain and stick to water for now. But. That's a that's a fair fair and smart <laughs> play there. But I, yeah, I, I, need, I needed I needed, so. to, I needed I needed to break out something nice for the Beers and Miles podcast, like, like I said. <laughs> I appreciate that, <laughs> uh, but it. Yeah, I guess going come going forward now, um, which is honestly like I, I think that's that's a it's fascinating insight here as far as like talking about fueling because I think that is something that really changed. I mean, I've I've adapted that into a lot of my training as far as like doing it inside training, but I think that is something that's not that that needs to be spoken a little bit more about it now. Like I do think a lot of higher like high end marathoning is treating fueling just like just like cyclists do um yeah no it's funny some of the some of the ultra runners i've talked with before i've actually said um for like ultra marathons like once you get like 50 miles and above they said that it almost just becomes an eating contest for runners (laughs) and that, that that quote has stuck with me like forever like when when i do my first 50 or my first 100 like you can bet that I am going to be almost more calorically trained than I'll be running trained because there's just so just, little you can do for a race that distance to prepare for running that far. But like yeah. the most important thing that apparently you can do is train your energy systems to be able to continually take in fuel and, and use it to run that race. I think that's one of the few things that I'm very proud of as a runner is uh, I've treated my body with such disrespect that I typically don't have any issues with my stomach. <laughs> I, think, I think I think Jared felt a similar way after after CIM. He's like, yeah, I'm like every run I do is like horrifically fasted. So running with calories is just like putting jet fuel in, you know. <laughs> I, I I'm drank with him, so I could I could pro- I could attest to how he treats it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But great. Yeah, and so coming into um, coming into the McCurdy uh, McCurdy Micro Marathon here, um, what are some big workouts that you did during that block that were just like okay, like we're right on? Like 
how did how did training structure look like? Because yours was very different than anything that I've seen. Because like there was a there's there was a lot of peaks and and then drops, peaks and drops. So like talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I've got I've got the big I've got the big saw. I'm a big sawtooth guy when it comes to the the, the mileage charts. Uh, yeah, you, you'll see you'll see some bigger weeks, you'll see some smaller weeks, and I don't, it's I mean it's mostly intentional there just for like the purpose of, you know, we, we hit a big week, we recover, we hit some big workouts, we recover. It's, it's all about prioritizing recovery and just making sure that we can get to the next week, like ready to fit the purpose of that. And it's also thinking about training, like everyone loves to think of training from the perspective of like a seven day cycle because, you know, that's what the week is. The week's seven days. There's a long run. There's two work. And, like, some people do the 10-day cycle and things like that. But, honestly, I, I mean, I, I, I don't want to put words in Ben's mouth, my, my coach, Ben Walk, because, you know, I haven't asked him specifically about this. But I imagine that he thinks of training more in, like, groups of weeks rather than individual weeks themselves. And so if you were to take, like, the average of, like, three-week groups – you would kind of see these cycles of like, oh, like these two or three weeks were clearly up. And then this week, like here was the down period. And so it's not so much about just like holding the same pretty number, but instead having good balances of volume and intensity, followed by periods where you're able to then recover and then build the next week. Adding a little bit of context to this as well, you are how many feet of altitude are you at? Uh, five, about 5,200. Den- Denver's the mile-high city. Everything around it's going to be somewhere between 5,000 and 5,600 or so. So adapting your training, so I would I, I would think that your training is based on just effort level because you're not, obviously you're not going to be running the same paces at marathon, your marathon Marathon pace is going to be significantly harder, almost impossible to run at five thousand feet of elevation. So, how do you adjust to that? It's it's basically just a percentage conversion, you know. I mean, per- percentage and by feel and just historically, um, I think the general rule of thumb is that for like not super properly conditioned athletes, that it goes five seconds for each thousand feet, starting at three thousand. So like 3,000 feet would be five seconds slower, 4,000 would be 10, 5,000 would be 15, and so on. Once you've become more acclimated, you can basically chop off the five seconds that you start at 3,000 with. So at 5,000 feet, it might be 10 seconds slower per mile. But we, we, you know, we just, we know the training paces that seem to work for each individual run and what is a sustainable effort. Uh, for for various paces that we run at. So yeah, if you look at the workouts, they'll be a little bit slower than what you'd expect for someone running a 216 marathon, but the altitude comes into play there. And we also do just really believe in if you can spend a marathon training cycle getting more fit than anyone else, then it doesn't really matter if you're super specifically trained to run, you know, 513 pace. Mm-hmm. No, that's good to know. I mean, because the majority of people here that are listening haven't run anywhere near close to a two sixteen marathon, and then also yeah. have not trained at altitude. So I think I think for yeah. like I've, I've come out to altitude a couple of times and understand the difference, and it is a significant difference uh, for those of you who have never run at altitude. It is, I mean, 
you, and I think that's some of the context that for a lot of people don't like, if they just look at your workouts, they'll see 525 to 530 for a significant amount of time. But then you add the context of like, all right, well, I had that conversion and it's like, okay, I like, now you get it. You're running that effort. That's the effort you would be running at let's see level. Yeah. My, my best workout of the cycle was definitely the sneakiest for people who don't know it. I'll also add a quick disclaimer too. I still haven't run a PR in anything other than a 5k since I've moved to altitude. So don't believe that altitude training is, you know, some sort of, of magic secret. Do I think that within the next year I will obliterate most of my PRs? Yeah, at this point, I, I think that's pretty likely. But uh, it, it, it's not an instantaneous cheat code. Uh, but anyway, so going back to that and talking about altitude and, and training at altitude, yeah, I, I think that for a lot of people who didn't quite know the context behind it, my best workout of the cycle was definitely my uh, my 15 miles on Magnolia Road. Um that one I got a couple of texts about from people who kind of knew and had run that road before being like basically saying like, what on earth did you just do? Like, like, mm-hmm. like, say, like, like saying, if you're trying to qualify for the Olympic trials, like you are so far beyond the shape that you need to do that. Um, and so for, for anyone who, who doesn't know, Magnolia road is a famous, uh, Roading dirt road in Colorado. It's kind of nestled up in the mountains a little bit. Uh, it starts at around 8,400 feet or so, uh, goes down for a little bit. And then basically for the way out, if you're doing east to west Magnolia or mags, as people call it, uh, you're basically going just uphill with some rolling ups and downs along the way uh, from about 8,200 feet to 8,800 feet and then back down rolling the other way. So in total, you run about 15 miles. You get about 1,300 feet of rolling hills along the way. Again, mostly uphill on the way out. And then there are some uphills, but mostly downhill on the way back. Uh, And you end with a long, hard mile uphill at the very, very end. Uh, And it's all between 8,200 and 8,800 feet, which going by that same conversion of like five seconds per thousand feet. Well, if we go three thousand four, five, six, seven, eight, that's technically 35 seconds per mile that you're running slower. Now, for, again, for a well-conditioned athlete who's been at altitude, maybe it's more like 20 to 25 seconds, but still. So I ran that, that 15 mile, 1300 foot elevation change, uh, route at 533 pace. Um, basically going out at about 545 and back at like somewhere around like 515 to 520 ish. And, um, yeah, there were just a couple people that are like, so you can run like 215, 214 right now, like for sure. Uh, people who had run that marathon or sorry, run that route, like being in that sort of marathon shape before. And also people who had just run it and were like, I can't fathom running that road at that pace. And that to me really was like, like a key workout that, you know, it probably was physically pretty beneficial while being a huge, difficult stimulus but more than anything else, that gave me the confidence to be like, okay, there's absolutely no doubt in my mind that I am an Olympic trials marathon qualifying shape. 
That's that's so interesting. This like because it is like you've done it. You've run the Olympic trials qualifying time. It just wasn't within the yeah. window. Yeah. And then you go a couple of years later, and it's like okay, well, you have that. And it's like okay, it's a like a it's it almost seems like it's a re reminder at this point. Yeah. That like it's there. Yeah. Like there, like no one I talked to at that point like told me anything other than you are not just in shape to run this. You are in better shape than you need to be to run this. That's awesome. So yeah. coming out of that now, you're, uh, I guess describe the couple of weeks before I guess tapering off to, to like not even just workouts, but just like feeling or like, okay, you're like now three weeks out from, from, from the race. Like, how are you feeling heading into it? Yeah. So, you know, we had, we had a couple other, you know, still, still pretty decent workouts before then. Uh, we like to kind of hit our, our hardest workouts somewhere in like the, like four to six week out range with some still pretty decent workouts in the, the two to three week out range. Uh, but with just much lower volume uh, than what I'm sustaining during the, the training period. But at that point it was basically just like every workout still felt really good, still indicated that I was in really good shape. And so confidence was just high and the taper was starting to do what the taper does. Week of the race comes and uh, it's not perfect. No, <laughs> uh, the, the start of the week was perfect. I, I was feeling great. I was feeling confident. I was ready to, to hop on a plane and get to New York. Um, even like, like two days before the race, you know, I was doing okay. Um, but yeah, wake up day before the race, October 13th, go out to do my 30 ish minute shakeout. And running 720 pace just feels like a absolute struggle. Like not even a chore, but like like I'm going up some hills like huffing and puffing and like, you know, feeling it. And this is me now being at sea level, you know. <laughs> uh and yeah, I was I was hey, coughing hey. up phlegm, feeling feverish. Uh I spent most of the day sleeping, but yeah, I, I mean I, I called Ben at that point and I was like, dude, I I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, I feel terrible. Like I, I just, we, we talked about a contingency plan. Cause at that point I didn't have one. I hadn't signed up for CIM. So there was no getting into the elite field there. You know, we talked about maybe Philly or something like that. Cause we're like, listen, if this, if this doesn't go well, like we, we need something else. Cause I'm in too good of shape to like waste this. But after that conversation happened, it was just, okay, well you're at sea level you're going to go out and run a hard effort. Any amount of time that you get in on OTQ pace will be a good workout should it not work out. But there was also that reminder of like, you are in better shape than you need to be to run the time. So even faced with this adversity, you might still be able to do it. All I'm just going to say here is, yeah, 740 you might have been hard because you're feeling a lot on the weather. but. I know personally those hills of Amerinek, they're they're not friendly. They're not friendly, especially they're not they friendly aren't. to tired legs. They they aren't. But I I was born and raised on those. Okay, those are no, those are no big deal to me. That's true though. You do you you've you've ran from my mom's house in Amerinek, so you know. I got you know. dropped on my ass uh, <laughs> for about ten miles after uh, Product Thirteen Point One. Wow. I was. You guys run. were having a. It's you, Witty, and uh, and you, Witty, and Josh 
having yeah. a blast. Uh, like, Great, it, it, it is the it is that SpongeBob <laughs> meme of like uh, Patrick looking outside and everybody's having a great time, and I'm <laughs> and I'm back about 15 seconds, just just dying, not just by myself, just just in a dark <laughs> place. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, the, the, trust me, the, the hills of Marinette, yeah, they they can be tough, but I knew that wasn't what was going on there. I, mean, <laughs> I, I felt like garbage, man. I felt so bad. I mean, at, at that point, I mean, heck, it looks like you guys already had. It, did that help though? Like having, because I think at this point, <laughs> we both have been running long enough where we 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 understand training, we understand kind of like how to be in it. But I, I also think like there's a reason why we have coaches, and it's one to take us off the ledge, and then sometimes be able to just be able to like kind of pull us away from that like panic mode and so like having having been kind of put that for you the night before the day before that helped a lot for you yeah i i mean i i give ben as much credit as i possibly can because i think he's an incredible coach and just an incredible person but like in that moment i quite literally think that he said like the most perfect thing to like take me off the ledge just to say We've come up with a plan for if it doesn't happen. Now stop <laughs> in in the nicest <laughs> in the nicest way possible. We've come up with a plan for if that doesn't happen. Go out and run tomorrow. And yeah, I mean, at that at that point, rather than thinking what if what if what if what if what if, it's okay. I have to prepare for tomorrow, and so I spent the rest of the day just drinking fluids and electrolytes, like just absolutely pounding fluids and electrolytes. I, I knew, I knew I had to get as many fluids as possible if I was going to try and like wipe this thing out. Um, and, and I knew that if I took too many fluids without enough electrolytes that I was going to, you know, cramp up like crazy the next day. So, yeah. And yes, I slept like, (laughs) so I, I slept overnight, obviously like probably nine hours and then got up, did my shakeout. And I think I slept again from like, 9 a.m. until like 1 p.m. or something like that. Um, went and got my race stuff and whatnot. And then the the one double-edged sword to that is that the race was at 6:30 a.m. the next day, and you know I was I was still on West Coast time or not West Coast Mountain time too, which is two hours behind. So that was gonna be like starting a race at 4:30 a.m. for me. So you gotta wake up at like you know 4 a.m. <laughs> East Coast, which is like 2 a.m. my time. Yeah. So I think I got to sleep finally. I tried to start sleeping at about 7.30 or 8 p.m. so I could get like a good amount. Don't think I fell asleep until like 10 or 11 and then was up again at 4. So I was on like five hours of sleep probably. Well, I mean, the good thing is like two days before is the most important day. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and, and I got the napping done the day before. But I woke up the day of the race and I was like, I, I still don't think I'm 100%, but like, you know, whatever let's just go out and let's just try it but even then the weather was like weather for that weekend as we got closer and closer it was just like is it gonna be a good weather day or is it gonna be the next day or it's like is it gonna rain or is it not gonna rain it was tricky it it ended up raining i think in like the last 20 minutes or so but it was such a light drizzle that it it didn't really matter at that point it wasn't rain was was a little bit of an issue like an issue like coming into it it did eventually like really clear up but yeah 
at that point I wasn't even thinking about the weather. I was just like, yeah. am I, am I even going to finish like a lap? Like, am I going to, am I going to be able to run five, five fifteen pace for three miles? <laughs> Cause I just struggled to run four at seven twenty pace the day before. So the morning of, I mean, it is, I think we just had the time change or no, we hadn't had the time changed yet. So like, we were following along at home, and you guys didn't start on time. Like, yeah, I think we I think we started at like six fifty or something like that. Yeah. Um, let's see. Actually, I since I, I have Strava up in the other window because I've been pulling these things for you. Yeah, I warmed up at five forty six a.m. expecting a six thirty a.m. start, and then we started at. Oh, come on, pull it up. I think I think it was like six fifty though. Uh, 6.53, yeah. So that's a much earlier warm-up than I usually do for for a race like that. Here. But, I mean, so, at I that mean, point, at the, again, at that point, wasn't even on my mind. The only thing was just, like, just stay focused, run this as best you can. This is a great opportunity, great weather day. Let's just go for it. Like, I, you, you've prepped all your bottles. You've done all the work. See what you can do. So this is the first time that I, like this past week, it was the first time that I've ever experienced a pack like this. This is a race that's only meant to be a pack like this. this there's no, for context, this is, a, this is a race that was built for, to qualify for the Olympic trials, both on the men and women's side. This is not an open field. This is not a race that's meant to get people BQs. It's not a race that's meant for the general public. This race is set as a course to qualify for the Olympic trials, bottles are set up across the entire course, or I guess every loop of the course. A, a, yeah, yeah. A, a long stretch of the course, and the course is a three-mile loop. So you're on the line with a lot of people that are with that same goal. With the yeah. only goal in mind is to qualify for the Olympic trials. Um, describe the atmosphere in the corral, or I guess the, the starting line before you got up there. Yeah, you know... Um... There were some people that were keeping it kind of intense. I've I've shied away from that as much as possible over the years. I like to be a little more relaxed through the start, especially with that day, since I had no idea what was going to happen. The best thing I could do was just go up to people and be like, yo, what's up? Like, good luck today. Like, just smiling around, not letting the, the atmosphere freak me out or anything. And the volunteers, everyone was pretty excited for it. But um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think once it came time to like be on the actual start line, I was just focused on clearing my mind of, of doubts and just, you know, focusing in on I'm going to run 515 pace until the wheels fall off or until I punch my ticket. So race kicks off and how does the, how, how like the pack immediately just surrounds the pace or how does that work out for you guys? So I knew my strategy having run the race before having found the table my bottles were going to be at beforehand, just kind of thinking through everything. I knew that it would benefit me most to not get out hard, but to get out to where I was at least in the front quarter of the pack. Cause I didn't want to have to deal with maneuvering in the pack and getting my bottles and everything early on in the race. And thankfully, everyone was pretty cordial about it and very organized with being like, I am going for this table. If you are going for the same table, you should either get in front of or behind me or something atone a to that as you can get it across during a race. Yeah. <laughs> now, that's basically exactly what happened. I got out and I just was on 
like right on the pacer from the very start. It didn't require me to get out super hard. I positioned myself well on the starting line to get that done because I knew the course was relatively narrow. You know, you can still run a decent number of people wide on it, but when there's, you know, 150 or so men trying to go for that, uh, it's it's going to be hard when it's, you know, a bike path wide. Uh, so yeah, just doing a, a good job of using the advantage of the fact that I had run the course before so many times to kind of know that it was going to be important to not get out hard, but also to not get swallowed up. Yeah. And I think kind of that point with it being a narrow course, I remember running a lot extra for that half because I kept on either being on the outside. And so like, I mean, over 26.2 miles that accumulates and I mean, you got to be looking at running a little bit faster than that time there here would be actually realistically be under the stand uh, under the standard because like you're not running i mean i would say like for any marathoner if you run 26.35 and under you did a pretty good job like you're not yeah. typically going to hit 26.3 or under yeah i don't i don't know if it was a, a product of the loop course and the gps being a bit off or if it was just because there were so many people there but i know the first time i ran that course when i was basically by myself the whole way I got 23.3 and this time I got like 20 or sorry, 26.3. And this time I got like 26.6, but I, a lot of that could probably be a little yeah. bit of GPS error. Uh, but yeah, it but it, I mean, the pacers there did such an immaculate job of just holding, you know, enough under 218 pace to give people a buffer where like, even though a couple people fell off the group in the last three miles, they still, held on and came through in that trials qualifying time. But everyone who stuck basically stuck with the paper pacers through 23, I think got that time because they just, they, they did a good job of giving like a 20 to or 30, probably about a 30 second buffer, honestly. And then we picked it up a little bit the last lap or two. That's awesome. So, I mean, you're heading into the last couple loops here. Um, How's that feeling? How's, I mean, at this point you have, Nine miles ago, you've already passed the halfway mark. You're at pretty close to that mark, that that scary, scary twenty mile mark that has bit you the last three, three, three times. Yeah. So the the first like scary doing air quotes part was kind of like seventeen when the the pacer dropped off because I was right up on the pacers, and so at that point it was kind of like okay, am I going to start to take the pace? Is someone else going to fill in and take that pace? Are we going to kind of go back and forth? And luckily there were a couple people who were feeling especially good who decided to take that pace and eventually kind of, you know, peel away and and go for that sub 217. Um, But I think after that lap, once we were heading into six to go, was when like it all of a sudden kind of hit me like, like I think I'm going to do this today. Like I was kind of, I, there was a brief moment where I was like, okay, like take inventory of how your body's feeling to see if you feel any of that creep, like creeping, like fatigue coming in. But then part of me was just like, you know, it's, it's not even worth thinking about it. It's either going to come or it's not going to. And like, I'm going to try and run as hard as I can regardless. So the, the mantra that then gave me to focus on, which I honestly haven't had much of a mantra in, in other races before, ironically, besides the last time I ran Rockland Lake, uh, because Ben was there on the bike in front of me, like saying things to me. But the mantra he gave to me to, to use during the McCurdy Micro was just to think calm and patient, just calm and patient, calm and patient over and over and over again. And in those last nine laps, 
probably it must have gone through my head over a hundred times because like I did not think of a single other thing until I looked at the last lap and realized like okay like I am getting this time today which at that point still it went to okay wait make sure that you get this time today do not speed up do not slow down hold this pace lock down the OTQ Dan, you look pretty comfortable when you cross the line. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I still felt pretty surprisingly good through the last mile or so. I, I mean, I, I picked it up, I think, the last 800. Like, if, if I look on Strava, I mean, all of the splits were a little fast because, again, the GPS was, was a little yeah. bit. I mean, that last point six was 459 pace, like, feeling good. So that, that means the last 800 or so of the race was probably sub five. Yeah, and it's so funny because, like, I think I, I, I'm finishing up writing my whole thing about CIM this past weekend, but, like, yeah. the funny thing is, like, seeing people right around you, like, there's so many people that I recognize just from, like, my past, like, you yeah. and Dewey finishing together. I was just like, oh, my God, my boys <laughs> are finishing together. Let's go. They both fall from the trials. It's the coolest freaking yeah. thing. It's funny. I wasn't even really thinking that much about who was around me, but then I was looking at the results afterwards, and I was like, "Oh yeah, those guys were like around me too." Like, yeah, I was just running with like Marty Hayer the whole time. Like, yeah, obviously, <laughs> you are, obviously. Uh, there is some incredible photos afterward. Because yeah. as much as you're talking about this right now in a pretty calm state, and you finishing in a calm state. Oh man. You were very emotional when you crossed the line. Yeah, and I'll 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 potentially even like tear up thinking about it just cuz I do every time when I'm I'm on a podcast like this, but like just as much as like running to 1651 was an incredibly emotional moment for me because it was like the validation of all the belief that I had had in myself for a while. This one and hitting the Olympic standard was even more so both because it's been a dream for so long that I've had that like it felt like it came to reality when I ran 216 back in 2021, but then actually came to reality this time. But again, just because like that low point at CIM was like where I almost stopped believing in myself and like this just completely annihilated any of those sorts of feelings. Like any time that I had told myself, like, you might not be good enough for this, like, you might not ever run that time again, just, like, immediately melted away. And, like, people talk about that, like, like feeling of, of, like, when you have a weight off your back, when, like, a burden's been lifted. Like, I felt that 110% at that, at that race, where it was just, like, like, physical weight being lifted off of me of, like, like these these demons that had been following me, telling me like that I wasn't going to be able to do it. So it it was just such an emotional moment, and then to have both of my parents there as well was like so so huge. Um, you know, I hadn't had that at any of the other attempts that I had done before. Like they, that was the only one that they saw me do where I was attempting to qualify for the trials. And yeah, I mean, it was just it was just fantastic. And it was it was the last chance I was going to get. And with like the doubt from feeling sick the day before, there were there were just so many factors that just made it such an emotional moment. And yeah, if you head over to to, to my Instagram, uh, Alexander Burks, you will you you will see that photo prominently displayed of me 
at the finish line, like snot coming out of my nose, sobbing my eyes out with both of my parents there consoling me. I mean, that photo is just fantastic. Just raw, raw emotion. And I've had the pleasure of, of, of hanging out with your parents a couple of times at the weddings and, and uh, yeah. at the wedding and, and at your home and, and, and seeing just the happiness, the pure happiness. And I mean, they would have been proud of you regardless, whether it have gone bad or have gone great. But like just seeing that and just like the raw emotion of like just some genuinely good people was really great to see. And my dad, and my, honest, dad my dad cried. He like never, oh never. He didn't, he didn't, I don't think he cried at my wedding. He cried, but he cried when I qualified for the trials. Like <laughs> he didn't cry I, when I, we watched the room. Yeah. Well, he should have, he should have cried when we watched the room. <laughs> But uh, but that's I mean that's the reason why I mean there's a lot of reasons why I've been wanting to have you back on the podcast because it's been a while. Um, yeah. But this is I mean this is a story that that didn't take its usual path. I mean at two sixteen you like at two sixteen had to talk to you right after that, just immediately after that. I mean even after after the two nineteen because like the way you went about it, it was just like it's only up from here. It's only yeah. up from here. The next race is where we're going to run faster and faster and faster. And it just it yeah. didn't happen that way. And that's no. just something I that's the one thing I've learned from this past. So like last weekend is like that there's guys that, that from last weekend have great PRs and the distance just no, anything can happen. Anything can happen over that distance. And like it's a story. I mean, it's a story of perseverance. Like because it is it is sometimes like even if you're in the best shape of your life, sometimes it just comes in like. The day, the day it might not, the, the day may just not happen that way. But then when it keeps biting you, it keeps biting you and you just, you didn't let it go. You still kept, you still kept the positive attitude. Yes, it got down on yourself a little bit, but like to be able to say, hey, I'm going to give it another shot is like, I, I think it's, it, it should be an inspiration to others that are in that place. Like, that you were always fit. You're always fit enough to run that time. Yeah. It's clearly. just the distance can be, can be cruel sometimes. Yeah. And, and I think that is the really nice piece about it is that, you know, we can look at the span of, of literally two, two and a half years since I ran that, that breakout time and just be like, you know, it's, it's both easier and harder to persevere like that when you've done it before. It's like it's easier because deep down you know that you should be able to do it because it's happened before. But at the same time, part of you's like, like, why can't I do this again? Like I did it once. Why can't it happen again? Whereas if it if it's just never happened before, it's like, oh well, maybe this is just where I stand and I should be okay with, you know, continuing to try and run this time. Maybe I'll chase a bigger time, but if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. Like when you've done it before, there's just this, this nagging feeling of like, what am I doing wrong? Like something must be wrong. It's not just that I don't have the talent for it, or I haven't done the right work for it. Like, I feel like I have, why hasn't it happened like that? So it is kind of like a weirdly unique story in that sense. And it does have that aspect of perseverance. And I think it's a story that is pretty common amongst it may not be as common amongst like a lot of the like the growing elites as as you make big jumps yeah. and everything like that. But I think a lot of people see that. I mean, I have people that I've been coaching for a little bit that have hit that little point and it's like they shoot for a pretty big time, whether it's sub two forty or it's the BQ or anything like that. 
And you take a risk. I mean, what you were talking about earlier, it's like, realistically, that's three, your PR is three seconds a mile. Yeah. That is still, you're still riding on that razor edge when you're running these yep. times. And it's not as when you extrapolate like that, it's like, it's not that much. There's a lot of room for error there. And or yeah. there's not that much room for error there. Like it can happen and it could anything, it can, anything could happen, whether it's, it's weather, whether it's just a bad stomach day, it could happen. Yeah. And, and I mean, think, think, think about your race, which like, congratulations, by the way, like absolutely fantastic. <laughs> but like, I mean, how, how many miles did you make it on pace? Like, yeah. Just yeah, 20, like, 20. <laughs> yeah, like, to, like I mean, even like, tw- like what, twenty one, twenty two, even. That's like, still yeah, 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 and then, and then, and then, what, like, you know, fifteen seconds per mile slower for for four miles, and all of a sudden you're yeah. you're a minute off. Like it's yeah, yeah, it's, it's so hard. And it's and I got I was one of the lucky ones. Yeah, like, I mean you 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 had that dog in you, like you you did not. <laughs> You did not give up. That was that was the thing that like amazed me most most about that race was that like I think for so many people it is so so difficult the moment that the goal is like out of reach. Like if that goal is sub two two eighteen and like you know, like you can feel it in your legs that you could fight as hard as you want, but you're not gonna get the sub two eighteen. But then to be able to pivot and go I'm still going to run an absolutely massive, massive, humongous PR, and I'm still going to break 220. Like that is such an incredible like pivot in mindset to be able to have. So like serious props to you <laughs> to do that because you know how how few people were able to do that in that race. How many people I, just jogged it in a six minute yeah. six thirty pace because you flew by all of them, left them in the dust. <laughs> I'd say like a year and a half ago when we talked about it, I would never have understood what the feeling was like. And it's weird. Like it's come kind of a little bit almost full circle. Now I kind of, now I've had the understanding of like what that actual feeling is like. Yeah. Um, and I think once your head comes out of it, and it's something that I'll, I'll speak a little bit more in depth when, when we I finally do like, I guess the postscript on, on, on this, this entirety of this block here. But yeah, um, I realized that like, the only thing that changed, it wasn't me trying to stop. I was trying to salvage a 220, but it was more like it only happened in the last two miles where I just said, I'm going to start racing. And like, because like the weird thing is like, you're talking about like just focusing on that mantra and just get stuck yeah. in. But I've had so many workouts and so many races where I'm like, there's that little point where it's a mile or two where instead of looking straight, I start wandering. And then that's, if I can't, if I don't pull myself away from that, it's over. Like, yeah. cause I'm not, I'm not focusing on the race. I'm focusing on poor me or like, all right, well, this feels a lot longer. When we're so you just focus ahead and focus on that person. It's like, it's, it helps so much. Yeah. The the moment you like, don't have something to focus on is when, is when it can kind of start to, uh, to unravel when, when all you can focus on is how bad you're feeling and how you're, you're not going to do what you set out to do. Like that's when it all starts to come apart. Definitely. Now, as I guess a postscript to you for this for this section, what would you give if you could tell yourself something after I guess the lowest point that you were in, and also to anybody that has experienced what you've experienced, what would you tell them? You know, if you think that the dream is worth fighting for, if this is something that you want. 
the moment that you give up on yourself is the moment that it no longer becomes attainable. Like as long as you still have some fight in it, like some desire to keep going, you still have a chance at it happening. It's not, it's not guaranteed. It was, it was never guaranteed, but you still got that chance. And the, the other piece that I'll kind of take from there is that if you want to do it, because what I almost started to feel towards the end of trying to qualify for the trials, like almost in like the couple of months heading into the, the attempt, and now after the attempt too, is just this feeling of like someone else set this standard to, for me. And like I decided that that standard was what I was going to judge my success on. And I think too that to someone chasing like that similar sort of that, like it doesn't have to be the Olympic trials qualifying mark. It could be any sort of goal. Really think, is this a goal that you are setting for yourself and you want to achieve because you want it? Or is it something that like someone else has set as the gold standard? And should you go further than that? Or should you go a couple steps back from it? Uh, I, I I think, you know, happiness is, is what you make of it. And I think I could have been happy not hitting it, but I'm certainly very happy hitting it as well. <laughs> and, uh, and I'll have lots of non-Olympic trials related goals, uh, you know, after Orlando's all said and done. I, I, I love that. I absolutely love that because it, it is, there's a lot of us, and I, I, I've been guilty of it in the past of you, you basically set your, the entirety of your identity or you, what you consider success as a career in running based on this arbitrary number that somebody has put out there. And uh, I, I think that was one thing that if there was any secret to me enjoying running or me running better than I've ever run like in the past, it was that it was taking away from that, pulling away from the arbitrary standard, pulling away from like, if I run this, basically it's like, if you run this, then you somehow are something. <laughs> it's like, no, you are something if you right? enjoy yeah. it. It's just it's, like, <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like, think about if they made, you know, the men's standard 220. Like if, if the men's standard was 220 and you ran 21913, like it's the exact same race, but because, you know, USATF decided that that's the time that qualifies you for the trials, all of a sudden it means something more. Like uh, it's, it's, it's just such a, an interesting way to like, think about, about times and performance and, and kind of how we judge ourselves. No, that's, I mean, that's something that I think all of us can take away from that. Like or take something away from that. Like it, it's, it's important. I think, it's something that I've had to take some people off the ledge off myself and say, like, no matter if that, that you didn't hit that arbitrary time center, you still matter a lot as a person. It would just yeah. in general, like it, like, and that putting in hard work for a marathon build, putting in hard work just in general for a training block, that, that says a lot about the person that you are and be able to do it and continue to do it because knowing us, like what we run and it's like, you have tough weather, you have tough things yeah. and you have running isn't your career. Nope. And so, it's just being able to handle all that together. It says a lot about like the character of yourself and being able to do it. And that's an accomplishment in itself. I mean, getting him into the, the start line and then getting to the finish line healthy is a whole thing in itself too. Yeah. Um, and at, at, at risk of contradicting myself, I'll also add this as well. Cause I was looking into this. Cause I, so I was just interested, you know, people talked about how, you know, 
that oh they lowered the standard for for men from 219 to 218 because of like the shoe technology and whatnot and and the men's standard is a lot easier for one to look at because you know the women's standard got dropped by eight minutes so obviously there's going to be fewer qualifiers but i was just looking at the numbers between 2020 and 2024 because now you know the field's finalized 227 men qualified in 2024 um in 2020 i think only about 40 less people qualified than in 2024. And I can guarantee that there are more than 40 people this year who have run between 218 and 219. (laughs) (laughs) So again, at risk of contradicting myself, yes, someone else has set this standard, but I, 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 and I know they got a little bit of flack for this. I think it was like Merber who said something along the lines of like, a lot of people are going to find a way to run 218 because of the standard. But like, if you, you know, have that time set as your goal, you're going to, you're going to potentially find a way to do it. Like having that goal might push you to higher heights. And I think that in this case, it, it really did because the same shoe technology that was available in 2020 is available now. You know, it's, it's, it certainly isn't that making the big difference. I think people really did just kind of find that way to go that extra little bit. I mean, either way, whether it was 219 or 218, I would say for my personal self, like, I never thought I could run 219. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, yeah. It, and yeah. that's the thing. It's like you, these standards push us, whether it was a 245 or 237, like, the, the these feelings about 245 aside, it made a lot of talented women reached new heights and yeah. it led to, it led to superstars. It led to Kira D'Amato. I mean, like there is a lot that these, yes, these things are arbitrary and it's, you shouldn't judge your entirety of your, uh, your self-worth on them. But like, it is cool to have something that just helps yeah. people chasing. It has people within a group. I mean, heck, even last week and, and with you in October and it's like, you have an entire pack of like, let's all work together. And let's go get this. Let's go get this. Yeah. It's, it's everybody pushing each other to try to try to get there together. And it's great. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's just a matter of figuring out, you know, like, like how, how important is this to you and, and what's going to make you happy at the end of the day? Absolutely. And I would say like, as somebody that came on the other side of it, like just being able to have the opportunity to fight. And I think that's something that, that no matter if you get the standard, whether it's the OTQ or a BQ or even your PR, to be able to say that you're in the position to be able to fight for it is pretty freaking cool. <laughs> to be able to Definitely. say you're in the position to fight for something that's going to be like that that standard for yourself or that standard that somebody else has put for, to get into that, that next level for yourself, that's always something to be able to celebrate. And having having hit that now has like, I'm I'm honestly gonna say it, it it has like completely revamped my like motivation heading into this next cycle. Like with the last one, I was just enjoying doing high volume training and all that. Like right now, I am feeling like like every day I'm feeling like purpose. I'm feeling grateful. Like I I am not letting myself take this this training cycle for granted, even if it is during the winter. Even if I am finishing my run before the sun is up starting my afternoon run like after the sun's gone down like usually winter is like the hardest season to train for me but like every day i've just felt that purpose and that sense of like 
Like you've, you've been given this opportunity. Like you've, this was your dream. Like you cannot let it go to waste at this point. Like this was what you wanted. Because unlike, and this is not a knock on anyone at all. Like I think for like, if it was me, I would say I'd run, if I had run Neotikyo at CIM, I think I would have gone in it with a, I'm going to celebrate the accomplishment in itself. Totally. Um, and that's totally you- valid. Again, it's it's what it's what you make out of it. But you and, and Zach have been you guys are going to race. Like you guys are gonna see how high you can finish in, in that in, in that uh in that field. Oh yeah. Special special blocks in two weeks, just you wait. <laughs> so that's gonna be really excited to watch and, and that's something that like um I've really appreciated you actually putting real like real, I guess, reels up about oh, your yeah. training too. Um, so real quick, speak about that before we go into the crazy questions and knock this out. Of course. Yeah. Um, it, it was an idea that I had had for a while and it kind of, it kind of started from like the thought process of like, dear Lord, there's so much terrible content on Instagram around running. Uh, like, like, like people like sprinting at full speed, acting like it's like a normal workout for them or like terrible advice. And like, I just, I, I don't know it to me. It just seemed like, like I should just put out what I'm doing, be very authentic about it. Maybe complain a little bit if I feel like it and, you know, just get my ideas out there. Cause, but for a while I've been hesitant to do that because I'm like, God, I don't want people to look at me and think like, he's trying to be an influencer. He's trying to be a social media runner. Like, but eventually I just realized who cares? The people who like the, the people who mess with me are going to keep messing with me. And like the people who, who don't are just going to see this as another reason to hate and who cares? Like, I just, it doesn't bother me at all, but it's kind of evolved past that for me now to where, I, I, I'm going to be really happy when this cycle is said and done. And I have like a portfolio of like 14 weeks of like quick little videos where I can look back and just have one more way to see the progression. Cause yeah, Strava is nice and the graphs and charts are nice, but to have like, you know, the training documented in that way, like in that visual format with kind of my thoughts and ideas as I've gone through that week is going to be something really cool. So at this point, I don't care if, if anyone enjoys it or picks up on it or if it, you know, gains more traction or whatever. It's it's all for me at this point. And, and that's really what I'm kind of going to be doing with running here on out is that it's just, you know, what do I want to do without a care for what anyone else thinks? I love that. And I mean, you've already done a Strava chip housing, so I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, shout 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 out Dylan Geringer. I'm I'm just a copycat. Dil, Dylan did it before before it was cool. I had wanted to do that for a while and just eventually had to to pull the trigger. So for for anyone who doesn't know, basically none of my Strava titles including races at this point. I've I've really committed to it are just nonsense titles of whatever dumb thing I've thought of and written down in a note on my phone. So what what are what what was one of today's? We'll just go real quick. Um, so yeah, like today's workout was I ha- I haven't been eating any apples, and let me tell you, the doctors have been absolutely swarming me. Like this is <laughs> that's just an example of something stupid I thought of, and I was like, yep, this is gonna be a Strava title one day. So yeah, just no no reason to take it seriously. 
And as an aside to, um, this is an automatic, uh, like, this is an automatic unfollow from me. If, uh, if you use one of those, uh, those apps that automatically make your title, like, yeah, I I would, I would never, I will, I will admit to, um, to, to taking suggestions from some of my friends. I'll have, I'll have friends send me, send me ideas that they have sometimes when they're in, in, uh, altered states of mind, but uh, I, I I've definitely taken some some inspiration from some things that my friends have sent me. So, but not an app, not an application, not an app. Real real human thoughts. <laughs> Thank God it does show when it comes from an app. I, I've seen a couple, and I'm like, I know you're a nice guy, but you're better than that. You're better than that. You're better. Than Sorry. That. Yeah, you, you'll you'll get the follow back when you start sincere posting again. Yep. All right. So. We're going to throw some quick, uh, serious questions, and then we right. have uh, Nicole is going to just break your brain. Right All right, that. let's hear it. Let's uh, hear Nicole it. Nicole, she, she did a pretty good job last time. Uh, so fives on repeat, uh, Sam McGee uh, out of Arizona said, what have you learned regarding mental resiliency or what you should? Th- what do you think all runners should? So what have what have I learned, and what do I think all runners should learn with regards to mental resiliency? Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Um, I it's weird. I like shift between some of the things that like my coach would say to us, like when I was in college, between like like you know the whole like pain is temporary. Like once you make it, it'll be more worth it once you're through. But I've kind of shifted more towards, instead of doing that, just having belief that you can, like belief that you can keep going, belief that you will, you know, make it there before it becomes so unbearable that you have to stop, like belief that you that you will weather this storm. I, I think that that comes from a lot more powerful of a of a standpoint because when you are going like this is hard like but i'm going to push through it cuz it'll eventually stop you're already admitting that what you're doing is painful whereas when you go i can you're focusing more on you know like like i i have the ability to do this this is not hard for me or this will not get any harder for me and so i think that that focusing on that positive affirmation rather than focusing on the pain focusing on the possibility is a really strong standpoint to practice. That's fantastic advice. I, <laughs> uh, next one is uh, from Witty underscore thirty one. Uh, favorite scene in the room. Favorite scene in the room has to be there. There's so many fantastic scenes, but the one that I come back to, the one that I am just like, like no person on earth could have conceived of this other than Tommy Wiseau is the scene where he goes into the store to buy the flowers. It is the most non-human interaction I've ever seen in my life. Like it is, it is literal bottom of the barrel tier writing, acting, scripting, camera work, everything. There is not a single thing good about that scene. And that is what it makes it. That's what makes it so beautiful. So if I had to pick one, it it is it is that scene. Like it just, it just hi, how are you doing? Yes, good. You're my favorite customer. Oh, hi, doggy. Keep the change. Hi, doggy. That is 
that that is the the absolute apex of the room and obviously the whole the whole movie is a masterpiece uh-huh your dad your dad got through a lot of it <laughs> I really liked the number of times we had to convince him that the room is not porn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Steve, Zer- uh, Steve Zeresko said, favorite food slash beverage after a hard week of work? I just made a, actually, I literally, I think yesterday made a Strava uh, title about this and so i'll give i'll give favorite food but i'll also give what i think is objectively one of the best i think that pretty objectively one of the best foods and i'll i'll, I'll list off my qualifications for this because i think it's really important in understanding my reasoning but i think that the like the most perfect food might be a bean burrito and i i mean that in terms of nutrition satisfaction when you are finished eating taste portability cost and ease of assembly i don't think anything compares to a bean burrito and i've thought very in depth about this that my, was my, one my of the better that i've seen my wife is absolutely losing it right now like she is <laughs> trying to hold it together so hard but is crying right now I think you may be able to hear her laugh in the background of this podcast. So I hope so. I, 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 hope, I, hope, that, I hope that you can. Is there something you want to say, honey? <laughs> Is my logic not sound? She said, it's the, if you didn't hear that, she said it's the most me answer she's ever heard, <laughs> which is not a compliment, but also a compliment at the same time. <laughs> I've, I've I've thought pretty deeply about this. I think I think a bean burrito specifically, like because because not only that, but it can also like and anyone can eat it. Doesn't matter if you're if you're vegan, vegetarian, pescatarian, keto. Like if you even if you're keto, you can you can wrap it in a keto tortilla. Like it's just I, I think the bean burrito is universal. Um, as for favorite thing to eat. Um, there is nothing that hits quite like a uh, frozen Supreme pizza. I will eat an entire frozen Supreme pizza after most of my long runs. That's an interesting one. Uh, speaking on the, uh, the bean burrito here, um, TJ, TJ Morales said, uh, thoughts on Fortnite C5 season one, and if he's revisited Taco Bell since his debut. So first part, and in the second part, we're out of context. I I loved the the OG season when it came out. C five C five S one. I've only played maybe like a couple hours at this point. I mean, we listen. You've been talking about hopping on like every weekend, and it just never comes through. You got to up your game. Uh, T- TJ, if you want, if you want to play, hit me up in the DMs. Happy to happy to send you the epic ID. Um, but yeah, it it. It's fine. I, I kind of like. It feels a lot like like what was it? Chapter two, season three. I think was the one with the spy theme. That that and that one was a lot of fun. Maybe it was chapter two, season two. I forget which one it was, but that one with the spy theme was a lot of fun. And this one kind of feels like that again. So who knows? I I don't think I ever see myself returning to 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 true form. Thankfully, uh, the, the pandemic was a was a time of, of a lot of hours put into <laughs> that game. But 
Uh, yeah. And then what, what the second question was about. So, was uh, so Burks had never been to a Taco Bell. Oh, until Taco after the Bell, trials. right. I, so he did yeah. try Taco Bell for the first time. And he also, I, did you highlight? You should have put highlight. If you haven't highlighted it, please highlight it on your story about your experience at Taco Bell. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I, I don't know if, I don't know if I added that as highlights. And I don't know if I could go back and find you them can. somehow. You can? Okay, you'll have to yeah. show me how to do that. But um, I, I know, I know that I also gave like live updates into the Dicord as I was going through it about, um, about how it was going but to answer the question just very literally i i have not returned uh since since my initial visit um I, it just has not there, there have been better options for, for me to go to for cost it's just listen yes i live literally a five minute walk from a taco bell but i would rather drive the 10 minutes to an in and out if i'm gonna eat some fast food it's just better better bang for my buck if, if i'm being honest as an in-and-out guy, I'm not going to argue with that. So, double double hits better than it. I mean, Crunchwrap Supreme. I I get the hype, but a double double just. Oh. Yeah. Jeff's yeah, guess. I never had talk about or talk about at home ever because yeah. I had. In. Um, Ethan says, "What beer makes you go oh? In a good way. Like it sounds like it's in a good way, but there's a lot of H's there. I can give I can I can give uh I can give answers to both of them. Like I can give like a uh and like a uh um I mean there's a lot. I mean listen, I'm always a sucker for like a good just like big beefy barrel aged stout. Like that will always just like hit the spot for me. Um if if it's for refreshment like the, the crooked stave sours are fantastic. Like they're just they're they're so so good. And as far as something that 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 weirds me out just a little bit, um, I don't know. There's a certain type of hop that just like isn't quite right with me. But I forget which one. I might I forget which one it is. But there 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 are some IPAs where I'm just like, what were you going for with this? Like were you were you trying to make something that like you know tastes tastes like a pine tree but can also strip paint like <laughs> it's just there's there's a certain like ethyl alcohol taste to certain ipas that like i just don't get why they keep in there like mellow it out a little more make it make it more fruity that's fair that's fair i have a couple of those and i i don't know what i i don't know hops so that's not helping yeah. me either Listen, so. I, I like a nice a nice piney ipa can be good but so often they they just come with like that strong ethyl aftertaste that just like doesn't sit right with me yeah it's either metallic or it's like just can taste like paint thinner which i yeah. haven't had paint thinner I, in like I, three I, years I know, so. you know, i know you know what i'm talking about yeah. <laughs> uh uh, quick this would be a quick answer on this one because i know you this would probably be an in-depth answer here is like how did your d3 experience shape you it made it so that i enjoyed running don't think of running as a job or something that has to happen besides i guess it has to happen because i love doing it and because i'm really committed to my training but it's, it's just something that i enjoy doing and i i love the people that i've met through it you know even even when people were competitive at races, there was and and I mean I I guess I can't say for certain if this is what D one is like, but based on what I've heard, there's a lot more camaraderie in in D three than I feel like there is in D one, even amongst people at like rival schools and whatnot. Awesome. So that's now, my quick answer to that question. 
that was, that was a pretty pretty clear concise there. So now we get into the 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 final questions, and this is the most unhinged questions here. Okay. Brent asks, "How much could you PR in a mile if you ran it by one of those ran it on one of those airport escalators?" Oh, on an airport escalator? Ooh, I'm thinking the flat that's, ones is one of them. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know, I know what he's talking about. Yeah, yeah. The the flat run. Assuming that you, it's assuming listen, that you could run normal with no adjustment, or like feel, we feel weird running on it. Listen, I mean. They have they have them at, at Denver. Like we could we could potentially figure this out. Like if I can find the right time where there's like no one there. I think people have, there are Strava segments in the Denver airport. Yeah, um, I, I've seen them. Okay, if 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 I were to give an answer, listen, I'd I'd like to think that I could run like in the four teens, like like four like four thirteen to four sixteen range right now, like unaided. If I were to train for it. So I'll I'll give myself a solid I'll give myself a, a solid like four oh one to three fifty nine like I think I think I'd be right there just because I don't think it would be as easy as doing the downhill mile to break four just because I think it would be weird running on a moving surface but yeah well you know what I'm gonna give myself better than that I I think I think I could run a three fifty two if I was running on one of those righty. for three million dollars would you eat three hot dogs a day for a whole year. The moment that the answer was, or the question was for $3 million, the answer was almost certainly yes, as long as it didn't involve like doing anything extraordinarily illegal. So the answer is absolutely. I'd do that for, the, the price is too high at $3 million. Like I'd, I'd do it for <laughs> for far less. Like I'm, I'm, I'm just being honest. It, I don't even think it has to be like over a million. I think, I think we can get into the hundreds of thousands to do that. Like, <laughs> Whoever, whoever asked that question, I'm sorry. You have to remember I'm a teacher. Like that's, that's, that's too much to pass up. How long would it take you to finish a series of hot dogs lined up end to end, their total length totaling a mile? How long? A mile length to length of hot dogs? Yeah. I also love how she. I love how Nicole wrote that out. Oh my goodness! <laughs> Wait, let me do. Let me do like a quick like back of the napkin. Okay. That's like, that's like 450 hot dogs. So like, so am, am I just trying to go for like, like speed here? Like how, yep. how quickly can yep. I finish them? Okay. I think that I could eat like, since it's just the hot dogs. So I, we're, we're not including buns here. I bet I could get down like if I was really trying to like 50 of those a day. So I think it would take me a little over a week. I think it would take me nine or 10 days. I think Nicole knew that you were going to like piece that out. So this worth it. I mean, I'm, I, if, if anyone wants to know what I did, I did, I did, we're, I, I, I assumed foot long, foot long hot dogs. <laughs> so I divided 5,280 5, by 12. We got about 440 hot dogs. We'll say it's like an even 450. I think I could eat 50 a day. That's nine days. So there's your answer. Um, name three people you put in a death note. Ah. I don't. I don't. That was the next one right after that. <laughs> what the heck? I don't, Nicole, Nicole. Oh, man. Jeez. That is that is really really. I'm I'm gonna offend someone by saying this, right? Like, 
Like that is just. I gotta pick three. Three. People are currently okay. I can say Putin, and like no one, no one should get offended by that, right? Like, yeah, Putin. Putin goes in the Death Note. That should be, that should be a okay, right? Um, who who can I say for number two? Oh God, who's that? You you can put fake characters too. It's fine. Oh, I could put I could put put fake characters. Or Caillou. Too. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. I mean, I can I just say that I was the one who wrote Henry Kissinger's uh, name in a Death Note, and that's uh, that's why that happened. Sure. Good. Good. Cool. Okay. Close there we go. Um, God. It could be a character that you just hated more than anyone. Yeah, let's 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 do a character like a character I really, really, really hate. Um I'm trying to think like like someone like a character with no redeeming qualities from an anime I just watched. God. Nicole, that's a really good question because it's get it's getting me having to I'm I'm having to really be careful here. I'll just write my name at the end so I don't have to worry. <laughs> uh, that... Do you have a favorite? Oh, it counts. <laughs> it counts. Do you have a favorite Smurf? No, I don't know anything about. The only Smurf I know is like Papa Smurf, so I guess him because he's he's the one who I know. This is my question to add in there. Uh, how fast can you finish a Rubik's cube, but in time to consume hot dogs? How fast can I finish a Rubik's cube? Or like, how many Rubik's cubes could I solve while I was eating those hot dogs? No, how many? Like, if you had to solve, if you solve a Rubik's cube, how many hot yeah. dogs can you finish in that time? Oh, well, I can finish a Rubik's cube in about like if it, if it's a good solve, we'll just say in like thirty seconds flat. So probably only like two. I'm not much of like a speed eater. I'm 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 like a quantity kind of guy if I really had to. So now we have a time time uh time segment for for in in time of hot dogs eating is 15 seconds. Yes. Seriously. Um, could you be able to crack a Rubik's cube made of slimy hot dogs? I imagine I could. I have there some very complicated ones back at the school. What is the most water you've consumed in a single day and how many times have you peed in that day? You're talking about the speed project, and the answer is probably four or five gallons. And number of times peed, God, I don't even know. I think I did between almost every leg in the overnight, and I think I did a total of like 40 legs, something like that. So I'd say probably 25 times that day, which is way fewer than I should have if I consumed like four to five gallons of water. <laughs> and I wanted, I want everyone to know, and Zach will know this, that like, I'm not just like pulling that number out of thin air. Like we had gallon jugs. Like I know how many of those I consumed. And like, you gotta remember this is a race through the literal desert, like where did not sleep for like 29 hours straight. Like I consumed like four gallons of water. For sure. What's your favorite flavor of Ben and Jerry's ice cream? Ben and Jerry's? Uh, Americone Dream is, is pretty sick. Not going to lie. Love the caramel chocolatey pieces in there. Favorite facial feature in general? Favorite facial feature. If someone has mismatched eye colors, I think that's so sick. 
If you're trapped on the top of a mountain all alone and you had to sing a song at the top of your lungs to get intention to be saved, what song would you sing? I would probably sing Frog on the Floor. Hell yeah. <laughs> Where did he come from? Nobody Where knows. Where did he come from? Uh, if you had to have one facial feature to be significantly unsymmetrical, what feature would it be? Eye color. There we go. I already answered there it. There we go. Call it. <laughs> if you had to get rid of one facial feature entirely, what would it be? Um... Well, I already am missing some of my teeth, so there's that. Like my teeth are too big, so they remove some of the permanent ones. But I know what I know the real purpose of the answer. So, uh, I'll, I'll say eyebrows can be really <laughs> intimidating without some eyebrows. Um, if you had to have a foot for a nose or noses for feet, what would you pick? I feel like I could get used to noses for feet. I don't think my sense of smell is all that good. A foot for a nose would be so inconvenient. If you had an extra of any facial feature, what would it be? Extra of any facial feature? Yes, correct. I feel like the obvious answer is an eye. But, like, I don't know. You have third eye right there? Pretty cool. Yeah, like I, I feel like that's the obvious answer, though. That's that's so boring. I'll go with two noses since I can't smell that well. <laughs> uh, we're gonna go back to if you had to get rid of one facial feature entirely or replace it with the hot dog. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I guess I guess my tongue. That way, everything tastes like hot dogs. Cool. Uh, hot dogs for fingers or toes. Probably for fingers. That looks kind of funny in uh, everything, everywhere, all at once. If you had to be constantly followed by a swarm of insects, followed by a swarm of insects, what insects would you pick? Um, I, I think butterflies are pretty cool, so I'd pick butterflies. Name your favorite fabric and pattern of toga. Favorite <laughs> fabric and pattern? I'll just go with a nice flannel. Love a, love some good flannel and the nice uh, nice plaid pattern on it. Randy Johnson is throwing things at you. What do you prefer? Be golf balls, baseballs, hockey pucks, or lacrosse balls? Probably golf balls. I think that every other one of those he'd be able to throw significantly harder. Lacrosse ball, close second. But I feel like I feel like I, people would overestimate how fast Randy, uh, Randy Johnson could throw a golf ball. I think it would be tricky for him to get a good enough grip on it to really rip it. Same question, Randy Jackson. <laughs> Same answer. Simon Cowell is there insulting you. Name your favorite insult. Sorry, what? <laughs> Simon Cowell is there insulting you. Name your favorite insult. Oh God! What's the one that what what does Simon Cowell even say? It's been so long. I mean, I actually Leah does watch some America's Got Talent. I I really like using like less common th- insult, like so, an insult that wouldn't really sound like an insult, but like if you're actually mad at someone, like might make them upset. So just calling someone like a doofus, like I Donkey. think that I think that's really funny. Like if you're really mad at someone, just call them a doofus. I think they're not going to know what to think, and that might just make them more upset. 
Right, we're finishing up this now. So five minutes in a cage with Brock Lesnar or 90 seconds with the provoked bear. What type of bear? Say American black bear. I'll American go, brown I'll, bear. I'll, I'll, black, black bear, I'll go with the bear. The bear, brown bear, I'll, I'll, I'll not. Brown bears are terrifying. A, a black bear, I think, would be a little bit hesitant to, like, really rip into me. Turns out you know a lot about bears. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to do a polar bear. Polar bear is an apex Pol- predator. Pol- polar fine. bear, I'm, 90 seconds, is, 90 yeah, seconds yeah. I'll be a flesh pile. Like. Yeah. <laughs> Same question. Five minutes in a room with Alberto Salazar just before a race or 90 seconds with a provoked bear. I'll go Alberto Salazar so I can uh... – well, let's. Well, we won't finish that one. <laughs> Would it never have to pee again, or never have to shit again? God, never having to pee again would be so nice. I'm like, I'm like a two pee stops on like an hour and a half run type guy, which I just hate having to like plan that out. Like, if if I don't on like an hour long run, I consider that a smashing success. It is. What are your finishing move being in WWE? I love the RKO, but if I had if Good I job. if I had to if I had to invent one, I would probably uh, I don't know do do some sort of twisting motion like like this move with the Rubik's cube, but on my <laughs> on my on my opponent. It had to be a signature move for me. And true Joe Para fashion, name your ideal breakfast. My ideal breakfast is literally just a, I, I I just eat a bowl of cereal every morning. But if I if if I had to come up with like a fancy breakfast, a good steak and eggs with some hash browns is like top top tier. There's about think eight more questions but i'm i'm getting sleepy and i think we both need to we need to cut it out for the night so we can, um, we, we can try and, and bang them out real quick if the people really want them all, uh, if they're all nicole questions we don't need yeah to they're all nicole questions uh <laughs> now name what part you would replace with hot dogs if forced name any body part i'd replace with hot no, dogs no, the, the the breakfast that you said oh the part of my breakfast i'd replace with hot dogs uh, pro- probably the 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 steak because replacing the eggs would no longer really make it breakfast. That's fair. Just What's the best formula? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's the best formula gourmet meal you can think of? But it has to be hot dog instead of the main dish. Um, <laughs> it would have to be like some sort of like 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 bruschetta, but but like um. Like in, instead instead of like basil on top of it, it's hot dogs. So it's like like no. like bruschetta cheese, like toast, or burrata cheese, toast, and then like shaved hot dog. I like that. That's good. <laughs> Would you rather spend the entire Olympic trials marathon getting followed by a heavy metal band, a mariachi band, or a single guy with a tuba? Heavy metal band. I would run a minute faster. Hockey stick, lacrosse stick, or golf club, and I'm going to put in Razor Scooter to the shins. I read that and it hurt me. It hurt me just. I'm going to go with I'm going to go with the golf club. 
I think I I think I think that if like the head hits you, like it's going to be very like localized. But like as if we're talking like a driver, it'll be pretty spread out. Like like a a razor razor screw to the shins is unthinkable pain. Hockey stick is going to hurt because it's like that edge. So I'm I'm gonna go with the golf club. Only fuel your marathon with chicken nuggets or cheeseburgers. This question is sponsored by Burger King. Uh, cheeseburger. Chicken nugget won't have enough carbs. Cheeseburger, you at least get the bun. Junior, double, also, or triple also, also offer. I've, I've, I've literally eaten like like two burgers and two chili dogs like before a run within the past week and been totally fine. So I know burgers will handle it. Keep going. Hell yeah. Junior, <laughs> double, junior double, or triple whopper? Probably Junior Whopper, because Burger King is so gross that I can just get it over with faster. After you ask that, please ask what his favorite song is and why it's the Whopper Banger. My most played song for 2023, I think, was something by Yeet. So, But I guess the Whopper song's great. Which fast food mascot wins in a fight and why? Um... Probably the colonel, because, you know, he, he he commands a whole army. That's fair. Why should everyone hate Purdue Pete? Who? The uh, Purdue mascot, Purdue Pete. Oh, Purdue Pete? Uh, because there's lots of better brands to get your meat and stuff from than Purdue? Why should anyone give Purdue Pete a chance? They shouldn't. <laughs> And how Although many times did you get Purdue Pete with the WWE? Know enough about him. Sorry, keep going. <laughs> and how many times did you get Purdue Pete? And where do you hit Purdue Pete with your WWE finisher? Just once. That's all I need. That's all you need. It's one, two, three right after that. <laughs> and we have concluded with the unhinged there questions. A lot of hot dog related. Um, as Listen, always, I, appreci- I appreciate that. I'm I'm a man of many hot dogs. <laughs> We've already asked you how many shirts you have. Everybody already knows. Listen to the first podcast if you haven't know how many shirts he has. Um, but yeah, I mean, dude, it's been a pleasure talking to you. I talk to you every day, regardless. So yeah, exactly. The people right. don't get to talk to you, so you'll get to hear us talk. And uh, <laughs> and if they want to hear you post uh, or they want to see you post, uh, where can they follow you? You can follow me on the old Strava, although, again, you'll just be getting weird, stupid titles every day and maybe some interesting training. Um, if you want to follow me on, on IG, alexander.burks, DMs are always open. People send me messages all the time. I think I reply to pretty much everything as long as it's not really, really weird. Uh, so who knows? Sorry. Maybe try, try to be weird enough that I don't respond to you. Um <laughs> Sorry. Uh, yeah. Right. Uh, and yeah, that, that that's really about it. Awesome. You can follow me at beers and miles at beers and miles.com. I'll have a Reddit recap sometime this week. I'm almost done with it. Um, and then I'll get up some other podcasts cause I'm going to get back on this now that I'm like not all focused on this whole training thing. So it's kind of nice, go. but other than that, um, I'm here. I'm beer and we'll talk to you next time. See you later. Hell yeah.